right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome to episode 351 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today, we have Weeze Daniel joining us. Hello. Uh, from the Great White North, the one and only, the almighty Marcus. Marcus Almighty. Mark. Greetings, friends. And the I'd other like one. that introduction, the Great White North. I'm also from the Great White <laughs> <laughs> well, North. Well, yeah, and you're, you're, you're even norther. The, okay, the greater, whiter norther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And then the other guy in California, Ken, 69 Blizzard, the voice of... I I can't do that wrestling voice. I probably should. Matt Porter, where are you? Need a good voice. All right, so there's been a bunch of stuff going on in Kiss World this week, most of which will be of no interest to Kiss fans because it involves Paul Stanley Soul Station. But I thought it was really cool today... um, that it was announced that he was going to perform with Soul Station at the Detroit Music Awards. I think that takes, I've, I've said it on uh, other episodes about Paul's project. I know uh, people either love it or hate it, and there seems to be no in-between. Um, I think that takes a giant set of cojones to go to Detroit, Motown, mm-hmm. with his soul band, and... Um, perform there and we'll see how it goes you know kudos to him for having the guts to stand alone the stallion is in the kitchen ready wait i'm not going there again i think it's going to be a a video performance it's going to be a video performance yeah it's still the demographic he's going oh yeah he's going into the lion's den whether he's he's physically going to detroit's a different matter but uh he's going on a soul uh you know detroit music awards show which is about that so you know yeah more power to a lot of a lot of folded arms there like Mm -hmm. do they show that impress me you know do they show that on tv anywhere other than maybe Detroit, I, I don't, I don't know. I've never heard of that award show before. They made it up just for Paul for this. Oh, no, that's it. No, it's 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 actually, um, it's going to be performing a, as Ken has already mentioned via video at this year's Detroit Music Awards. It's going to be streamed on Facebook Live. It's the 30th annual celebration of Detroit area music makers. Um, And it's going to include additional performances by no one whose name I recognize. Oh, and the Supremes Mary, oh, memorial tribute to the Supremes Mary Wilson and saxophonist Alto Reed. Both of those names I do know. So yeah, whatever. It's cool. Alto Reed. That was his name. Yeah, Isn't a that saxophonist. Named yeah, you, yeah. Reed. Clearly, you, yeah, you, you wow. get it. You get it. Very yeah. good. Okay, some people wouldn't, but yeah, you know, the tuba players will not get that reference. Right. All right. Moving on. So this week's show, uh, I specifically requested that we don't do anything that takes effort. Therefore, we're going to topics from the board and some of the things that KISS fans have been discussing recently and some of our own topics that we want to discuss, but just, you know, rapid fire. We're not going to analyze and do any math. We're not going to pull things apart. We're just going to be critical of what people are talking about. Ken, one of the ones that you posted that did catch my attention was, of course... Cheap Tricks, Robin Zander. Tell us about that one and uh, what we're going to talk about. Yeah, there was an interview out there with Robin Zander, and uh, somewhere along the line he came up, and uh, Paul's name came up uh, regarding, uh, you know, the need to, you know, record music or new music, um, you know, I guess particularly Kiss, um, and Robin Zander says, "You don't. We don't do it for the fans. They they do it for them. You know themselves, um, because you know they're an artist, and you know they you know just do it because it's <laughs> it's part of their you know their you know blood or whatever you want to call it. But um, it's just something they do." Um, so yeah so he kind of called out i guess paul i don't know how his name came up paul's name came up but 
uh, it was thrown out there. And uh, so people were were chatting about it. And, and I thought, yeah, well, uh, and then I started to think, well, you know, Paul did do something, I guess that soul station, right? And he recorded some new music there. Uh, but, what, you know, why not do what he originally uh, intended on doing, you know, uh, doing Kiss stuff, uh, a rock and roll band? That, that was his real passion. Uh, I think maybe he's just lost his passion, uh, except for except for hasn't lost the passion for making money. <laughs> well, he's not making much of yeah. it, relying on Soul Station. The actual no. quote from this uh, show was, yeah. Xander said, I think the difference is that we make records for ourselves, not necessarily for fans and stuff. We've always made records for ourselves. I think if we stopped making records and stopped writing songs, we'd probably quit. That's the point. That's the way we look at it. Paul, he'd just as soon rest on his laurels and go out there and play and cash in. But I just don't feel that way. That's all. Daniel, what's mm-hmm. your thoughts yeah. on that quote? Well, I think it's wonderful of Robin Sander to to be um, so, um, uh, you know, um, being able to tell it like it is. Because no one ever talks back to Paul Stan or says something against his will, I think, these days. And if you do, you're immediately um, banished from his realm. Blacklisted. You know? Yeah, list. blacklisted. Yeah. So, yeah, it surely is on the list now. Uh, but I think when it comes to Paul Stanley, I think he, he, he did his passion project and it was Soul Station at this time. Maybe when he sees the numbers and the attendance figures later on, he might change his passion because <laughs> one of his passion is, passions is actually making money and uh, uh, that's why he continues with Kiss. I think he's lost passion for writing new Kiss songs uh, a long time ago, unfortunately. I, I still think he would be able to to write a couple of real good ones if he, if he put his mind to it, but, but, but I just don't see it happening. Mark, what about you? Do you think that uh, Robin's going to be disowned by Paul if they had any relationship on the side for her saying, daring to say something like that? Or that yeah. Paul's going to say, well, you know, they're a different band. Uh, they've got an album coming out, uh, which I've heard. Has that dropped officially now? Because it's absolutely outstanding, the new Cheap Trick album. Once you get past the cover uh, and just listen to the music, they've absolutely knocked it out of the park and improved on their last couple of albums. But But I'll shut up about that. Uh, Mark. Well, I mean, I think like Daniel said, I think it's good that he spoke his mind. I mean, you shouldn't be fearful of telling your opinion. I mean, he's only Paul Stanley. He's not God or something. You know, he's not going to strike you down with lightning bolts or something. You say something against him. But, you know, here's the thing. I've been saying this for a long time already, that there's a difference between bands like Kiss and bands like Cheap Trick or even Motley Crue or some of these other bands who have actually went ahead and made music after the fact. But there's lots of bands out there that just make music because it's in their blood. I mean, I mean, it's, it, if you if you're a musician, musicians need to create music. If you're a painter, you have to paint. You know, uh, this is the thing I don't understand about Paul Stanley is you call yourself a musician, but yet, you know, you, you see no no reason to write kiss songs i mean didn't you just have joy in writing them to begin with i mean i that that's why most people get into a band is the joy of writing songs and to make music i i don't get it but it's not a surprise i mean like you like you said they, they've gotten off of this writing new music thing a long time ago already and you know maybe daniel might be right maybe when he uh goes through his phase with soul station here and the, and the honeymoon is over and the thrill is gone, maybe he'll say, oh, you know what, maybe I'll try writing a couple of other songs. Yes, maybe, yeah, well, well, maybe it'll just be something solo, maybe not a Kiss <laughs> album stuff. But, you know, I, I, I think that there's nothing uh, very shocking about what Robin Zander said. I, yeah. And even if, he, even if he did say it just to promote his own thing, still, still true. You know, they their their love of writing music has clearly gone away, but I don't understand it. My, being a musician myself, I don't care if it doesn't sell a hundred thousand copies. 
or if it even sells 10 copies, I like writing songs and I like producing them and making them. And if people like it, that's all the better for me. What I wouldn't like to see is uh, Paul being the bully. At times when other bands criticize him, it tends to bully them a bit. He did it to D. Mm. Snyder Twisted Sister a few years ago, calling them, I don't remember, but it wasn't anything nice, called them a bunch of something. And uh, there was really no need for that. But I, I think if, if he gets to hear this, he'd probably do it all over again, calling you know, uh, Robin Sanders' band a bunch of uh, hobos or something. You know oh. what, uh, you know what, uh, it's, to me, and maybe I'm wrong or, or what, but I think Paul Stanley is a little uh, selfish when it comes to Kiss. Um, thinking, you know, did he ask the other three band members whether, hey, would you, you know, what are your th thoughts about making a new Kiss album? <laughs> Uh, you know, because right now he's the boss. Right now, yeah, exactly. Right now, they do just whatever he tells them. If he says, "Okay, we're going to record a new album next week," that's it. They're all going to go in. Um, so to me, it's a little selfish and not thinking about your 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 mates in the band. Yeah. And, and think, you know, it's like, hey, wh what do you think? You know, maybe it is time to try an album, see what see what happens, <laughs> see what we can do in the studio. Um, I I just. From that standpoint, I think it's, yeah, he's a little selfish. Um, yeah, maybe he felt he's earned it because he kept, you know, the old 80s thing and all that crap. But <laughs> but that, it would always be brought up. But uh, yeah. I, I just, I just, it just comes off as a little selfish to me. You know what would be awesome? Could you imagine if they made an announcement and Gene Simmons announces new Kiss album without Paul Stanley? We don't care. We're going in. We're doing it without him. That's it. Could you imagine that? We're, we're gonna we're gonna do one anyway. But yeah. D. Snyder and Paul were getting into it because D. had you know gone all drunk bastard and criticized Tommy and Eric wearing the makeup of the the sure. previous members. So Paul came back and said Snyder's always been a wannabe and desperately wants attention and to be taken seriously, and that will never happen because he's obviously clueless and that he and his whole band are a bunch of buffoons. Buffoons, um, that's the one. Yeah, Wasp and Twisted Sister in the early 80s were basically Kiss without makeup. Twisted Sister was a yeah. completely different beast. Uh, street band, I mean, they were dictators with a bit more makeup. They were halfway between dictators and Kiss. You know, they were a great band in the early years yeah, as well. Uh, but Twisted Sister did the same thing that Kiss did. You know, Kiss with I Was Made For Loving You, a great hit, but it killed their career for, for, mm -hmm. for a few leader, years. Leader and of the pack. You yeah, know. but I think they killed it with We're Not Gonna Take It and the videos to We're Not Gonna Take It and I Wanna Rock. Even though it was their big breakthrough, uh, you couldn't really take them serious. Uh, they were like a lot of fun, but they, if you listen to the previous records, they were awesome club band, very dark and sinister. Mm -hmm. And that totally, you know, that, completely so different th stuff. Their under blessing the blade. Was their, yeah. Oh, that's a good song as well. That's a great, I love that album, and I like yeah. the original mix, which is muddy and dirty and nasty and gnarly. Um, sorry, uh, wrong podcast. As usual, it's so easy to go off on a tangent, but Dee Snyder made the mistake of going to the PMRC hearings and appearing intelligent on TV and ruining all, ruining all credibility whatsoever <laughs> because he wasn't Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa did it deadpan. You know, uh, Dee Snyder went in and declared his religious affinity and being married to his high uh, you know high school girlfriend and being you know cleaner the guy who was singing sin after sin yeah okay so uh <laughs> and then of course they did some pretty bad songs on come out and play so yeah there you go all right um i i don't know i i would hope that they don't have a bad relationship with cheap trick because you know, take the criticism. KISS has made its own mistakes through the past 20 years of insulting the fans continuously as being the reason that they don't make records, mm -hmm. rather than if the honest answer is that Paul Stanley can simply not deliver in that vocal style anymore, be honest about it. Just say, hey, I'm just not 
able to do that sort of singing anymore and I don't want to half-ass it or auto-tune it to death. I think I took it as far as I could on the other albums and that is simply going to have to be it other than performing live. And, you know, be honest for, for just for once. Don't mm-hmm. try and deflect and blame someone else don't attack robin zander for disagreeing with you because he's had a career that's gone from 1974 as well so he has just as much longevity in the industry and certainly enough credibility to stand behind making any statement that he wants and don't discard him as a friend because he said something that you don't agree with you don't have to agree with your friends all the time or else you're not really friends Exactly. So, but yeah. but I think it's very unfortunate because if you the few glimpses we have had of this lineup in the studio, they seem to have a great time together and seem to be able to connect on a high level, you know, and enjoy themselves in the studio. And there didn't seem to be much effort into getting songs written and they did it together. So I think I think it's very unfortunate because they could have put out a lot of albums if, if mm-hmm. you know, if Paul wanted. Is anyone a fan exactly. of queens made in heaven which was of course their last album pieced together with freddie mercury's voice obviously that was slightly different that a lot Mm -hmm. of that stuff he was singing in the studio you know after well while he was dying in essence could not kiss do a made in heaven type album where paul's voice made in heaven um where they go back to demos that he has sung the lead vocals for and re-record the backing tracks for and then gene writes all new stuff for him and eric and uh tommy get to sing a song each and then have an album you know so paul's heavenly voice is being dialed in from a, a time gone maybe seasoned with some vocals where uh, appropriately can be put in and gene's stuff is all current and new and then you get the kiss album with all the vocalists I mean, would that work for you as a possible solution when we talk about... And that's only if the voice is the single blocking issue, uh, preventing him from ever wanting Mm -hmm. to do another Kiss album, other than there being any other issue, say, as being forced to work with a producer. Ken? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, If they could... uh, If it's clean enough and and they can use a a strong vocal, uh, it might be a little weird with a younger paul stanley voice coming out and an older gene simmons voice coming out on the same album <laughs> something like that I, I don't know i mean would you would you get jeff lynn to produce <laughs> I mean, Eddie, I mean, the, the beatles remember the beatles thing uh, free as a bird you need a kick-ass uh, engineer for that project yeah just, yeah just get eddie um yeah i know uh, but yeah uh it, it potentially could work. Uh, I guess it's better than nothing. You get a Kiss album. And there's some strong, unreleased uh, demos of, of songs out there that, you know, like Smoke and whatnot, um, that could be used. Yeah, it'd be pretty well, weird I think to when, hear those. When you, when you listen to Soul, Soul Station, you, you hear it um, a bit here and a bit there, his screams, that he still can deliver it to some degree, at least. So I think with the right producer and with some studio magic, he would be able to deliver. You just need like three, four songs, and uh, the rest can be sung by Gene and the boys. And a lot of takes, probably. Yeah, a lot of takes. Piece it together. Yeah, piece it together, like you know, like an Ace Frehley solo. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Mark, Pro Tools, how much of a problem yeah. would it be to take those analog? Well, we already know that you can take analog into digital, no problem, and throw it into Pro Tools because uh, mm-hmm. they've already used the class system as a recording methodology previously, and it's no no really real different process than taking those multi-tracks individually and realigning them. Um, do you think it would fly? Well, of course it could fly. I mean, nowadays with the technology, you can take any of that stuff and do whatever you want. I mean, I think Jimi Hendrix has released like seven albums since he was dead, you know? So you can, you can do all kinds of stuff with that in mind, you know? And, you know, there's lots of stuff that, you know, we've heard in demo form or unreleased form, like sword and stone and all this stuff that, you know, could could you imagine if they actually went in and did a proper version of that song, for example, I mean, come on, that's a great song. And and they already have a good vocal track of Paul doing it and, you know, just re-record everything. There you go. I mean, like I said, with the Pro Tools thing, back in the day, when I was in Piledriver, actually, they had this song uh, called Last Day of the Week, uh, spelt like, not day of the week, like as in like a day, but the week, like a week person. And uh, they had this completely different music to it 
and Gord, the guy who's the main guy, Mr. Piledriver, he sung this melody that he really liked, but he hated the music. I took it, found the original tempo, which was like 136 beats a minute, put a click in, put his vocal to the beat meter so that it was lined up perfectly, and rewrote an entire different song under it and broke up his things in the verses, chorus, stuff like that. Showed him the song, and he was absolutely flabbergasted. I think he gave me like seven, eight beers. Like, come on, come on. I'm really happy, dude. Like, And I was like, I, I couldn't even drink anymore. He was like filling me to the brim. He was so pleased with the way it turned out. But that's that was even a few years back. Like back when I was in Piledriver, we were able to do that. I mean, nowadays, the technology's gotten even better. So could you imagine what you could do in those circumstances? Like, I know I could do it with, with those circumstances. I'm sure... Kiss and the quality of people that they surround themselves with could do it no problem. Of course they could. Tony Iommi yeah. did that to Ray Gillen. Mm, Eternal Idol just took off his voice. You know, so taking off the music's nothing different. It hasn't been Ezrin and mixed down. So yeah. you know, they're, they're, as long as they've got the multi tracks from which to work, um, you know, and the vocals and the gang back vocals and anything else that they'd want to keep, because you know, if there's an Eric Carr drum track on that, they might want to use that as a you know of an additional selling point if they're going yeah. to do it. So yeah, it could be done. Um, that that would be kind of interesting all right let's move on uh let's go to one of daniels uh, i'm not touching the 1992 soundboard recordings one uh but your low point with the band daniel you're always so happy i mean you do nice photoshop too by the way congratulations on that it's the worst picture i've ever seen it's actually it's severely disturbing um and i'm only speaking about Sorry myself about it's very disturbing <laughs> what was your low point with kiss uh, well, my low point with Kiss, I guess, was um, has to be somewhere in the early to mid 2000s, you know, uh, after the reunion era, uh, and I started losing interest. Uh, I didn't like Psycho Circus, and I thought Peter Christian sounded awful, especially when. You know, having Eric Singer for for a few years, it was not the same. And Ace Frehley, well, he wasn't like the Ace Frehley of old. So so they felt old and uh, tired for a few years. Uh, and then Eric came back in the band. And I thought, well, now things are starting to heat up. But then when they brought in Tommy Thayer, I, I distinctly remember... I was in shock seeing that guy in Ace's makeup. I was one of those guys. I, I, I didn't didn't think I would ever accept it. So I um, uh, I actually stopped listening to them for a few years, Qu quite a few years. I guess from '05 to maybe '09 when they released a new album, and that shows you the importance of new albums because when they release a new album. This Tommy guy seemed like the real thing. I mean, I mean, he was uh, on some studio tracks and he made a, a, a name of, his, of himself. He, he wasn't just a clone. So then I started to get back into band. And I guess after a few years, the whole makeup thing with Eric and Tommy stopped mattering to me. I, it didn't matter anymore. So, so, uh, so th those were my uh, my low points when it comes to interest in, in the band. Yeah, I wish those issues had stopped mattering to all the people who've continued to bang on the band for the 20 years over the makeup. So, yeah, Ed Trunk. Well, I, no, I, 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 he's not negative. He doesn't go out of his way to destroy, put down, attack the band with it. He's just firm no. in his opinion about it. Very where, firm. Whereas a lot of the people who, who on the board you know, come into every thread for the last 10, 15 years and say the same thing or and just do everything they can <laughs> negatively. It's like, you know, Eddie only brings it up when he when it's mentioned. Well, I think Eddie Trunk is a bit harsh when it comes to, to the makeup thing, thing anyway. Uh, I mean, they have done some stuff with Tommy and Eric in the band, and just because they wear Aces and Peter's makeup, I don't think that's a reason enough to just stop completely listening to the band and refusing to go to concerts. But maybe if you're a diehard Ace Peter fan, that's the way you react. I don't know. 
Well, there's there's a lot of them who believe that. Mark, what about you? Have you had a low point with the band, and how did you survive it? Well, actually, my low point was around the same time as Daniel. Um, it was around 2003 or so. I had stopped kind of getting into listening to them. Um, I also didn't like Psycho Circus. I went to the tour. I thought it was fine. Then they announced the big farewell thing. And I thought that, you know, they'd be gone for a while. I always had that thing in the back of my mind thinking that they would probably come back, which they did. But the thing that I found interesting when I went and thought back to this was I had totally lost interest in the band completely. But then something happened that re-kickstarted it a lot. And that was I had started listening to, you know, different podcasts on YouTube and stuff like that and on the Internet. And I discovered a podcast and I think it was what when when did Sonic Boom come out? Two thousand nine was that when yeah. Sonic? Yeah. So I think about a year or so before, I discovered Podcast. It had it would it was a relatively new podcast at the time, and they had all these great episodes at the very beginning. Like they had like a thing about creatures of the night, and they had a whole bunch of like album specific episodes, and they had like this you know Devereaux's. Uh, basement where they would go and play uh, lost demos that they had that you know some people might not have heard so you know you hear like the drum track of Eric Carr from Sinner or something like that they would play on the show and I was like absolutely fascinated with this stuff because I was never into the Kiss bootleg stuff so I didn't even know half of this stuff was around so I would listen to podcast religiously every week then they had the big you know Sonic Boom is coming out they had like a live uh, episode that time when it came out the day of uh, so I was really getting back into it thanks to them because, you know, um, it was back then it was still Gary Schaller. Uh, Ken Mills was not in at that time. He had another guy. I forget his name now. James. There was another guy. Yeah, that's it. Hagar. And uh, yeah, James Hagar. And he was in there and they were talking like, you know, really detailed stuff about Kiss that I didn't know about some of this stuff. So I was waiting every week patiently for the new episode. And those guys really got me re-energized about Kiss again. And then, you know, you start finding these other podcasts that started creeping up. Then slowly you have like Three Sides came when they had uh, uh, Mitch LaFon on the show at that time and stuff like that. So those things were the things that actually got me back into Kiss heavily because, you know, they were talking about things that I was really interested in hearing about, like, you know, Lost demo material they were talking about people's interests how they got into the bands you know they were talking to cover bands at the time and stuff like that there was a lot of things that i that caught my interest at that time and really really refueled my interest in kiss and started getting vinyl again and buying stuff you know and then i then i found history science theater and then it was game over because they started doing like really detailed things about the solo records. They they all picked a, an album and they talked about the Kiss, uh, like Peter Chris's solo record in detail. And then they talked about the Ezra Nears. They had a segment about that. Like there were so many episodes that caught my attention at that point. And then suddenly my love of Kiss was like 10 times what it was before that. That's really cool. Nice, uh, nice podcast as well that you mentioned and podcasts stature. I mean, there should be a big stone carving that says podcast um, (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) Ken, for you, have you ever had a low period? (laughs) I mean, not really, but um, I do have to agree that that period of after the Rock the Nation tour, I saw them there, 2005, came six seven eight i mean i thought that was it i thought okay i thought psycho circus was the last album right um didn't sound like they were going to do any more after that um it, it became pretty quiet in the in kiss world except for you know they re- started releasing kissology series in that time period so that, that kind of kept me going um, unfortunately there was no music and they weren't doing a whole lot of touring. They were, they, it wasn't full blown tours. Um, they were doing those, what did they call the tours? Hit and run. Hit and run, run. Lost cities. Lost yeah. cities. Yeah. And hit and run and that sort of thing. So, 
Uh, I think the closest one during that time period was something like Lake Tahoe, I want to yep. say. And Kelsleyville that, as well. And I just, yeah, and I thought about it. And, and I could, and I, normally I would have done I went, but I didn't go. That's one I didn't go to. Uh, I mean, it's a few hour drive, but, uh, and I, I've, I've driven, you know, long, <laughs> much longer than that to a concert. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was probably the, it's not low, low, but it was a low point as far as, you know, I thought, okay, this is pretty much it. They're, they're about done. And then it got exciting again, you know, when they announced they were going to do, uh, Sonic Boom, um, I did discover, like Mark did, though, yeah, I, it might have been earlier 2009 and 2008, that period when I started uh, finding the same, you know, podcast and so on out there. The you know, podca- podcasts were starting to, was a new thing at yeah. that time. So, uh, yeah, that kept me interested. And um, I mean, I've always been interested. I always wanted to do something, but it, it was kind of a, a low point right there that was the kind of the low point throughout the whole time since 77 for me all the way up to then there was always something going on pretty much uh and uh so yeah that was that one little period there that it was just kind of quieter than normal um i thought oh yeah it's they're phasing out it's got it's going to be over but then they pop back you know (laughs) again so (laughs) That's funny. That that period is when I racked up most of my Kiss concert experiences because there was stuff. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because they were in California. That's your high point. They, they, no, they were in California a lot. So I went to Canocti Harbor. I went to Tahoe. Yeah. Went to Chumash. Went to Paso Robles State Fair, uh, and then Sacramento for the uh, Rock and Rally. You know, I did, did do that. Did, did all of, of those kind of appearances. So I, I racked up a lot of missed events. And again, I, I say I've been overcompensating for everything that I've missed for many years. Low points. I mean, obviously, Crazy Nights and the story I've told about slapping in the cassette into my Walkman was a very low point. But I obviously was into the bootlegs and collecting at that point, you know, that I was really discovering. So I can't put that as my low point. I think I'm in my low point now. Uh, to be perfectly honest, um, you know, that it's the, the hangover after that show in Oakland, which, again, was such an incredible, you know, Paul Stanley, the king of the mountain. Well, at the top of the mountain was that kind of experience, which was incredible. And then everything that came after, it's been just pretty dire, you know, and, you know, fan behavior on the board and on Facebook, the community's fractured and everyone's fractured by COVID and all the politics and pandemics and i'm just worn out at this point after 25 years of running websites i'm just so done with it i'm i I don't have anything to look forward to in some ways because i nothing will ever top that oakland experience and i I hope it does i hope nothing comes along that could possibly top it because it was so good and it was so so much of a bookend um you know and now i'm so actively selling off my collection because i'm just tired of stuff sitting in boxes you know, it's not that I hate Kiss or don't like Kiss anymore. It's just I don't like having stuff in boxes that doesn't serve any purpose. So I am in a low point, and I'm using that money to finance the Aerosmith books. So you know, it's go, it's going back it's going back into my hobby, which is a love of music, regardless anyway. So I'm in the low point now because what is there to look forward to? They may continue on with the touring and go to some additional markets, regardless of how that actually occurs, because we still don't know what's what for cruises or um, you know, touring Europe as planned or some of the rumored dates that we'll be talking about in another one of these topics from the board in a moment. Uh, I don't really look forward to any of that. I don't care about the last show because there's going to be so many fake-ass people there that it's going to be like a communion of the intolerable. Um, there's going to be so few diehards and so many rich people there just for the experience that I, I almost don't want to even be tempted by going to that because I can't stand those people and don't really want to be in the same zip code as them. Um, you know, and the diehard fans, you know, be uh, I think would be a very minority and it'll be such a prize scourging fest that I, I'm just done with so many of the things, even though I know I've participated in some of the price gouging events, such as the vault or the kiss cruise. I've done them. So I'm in a low now, but it's 
it's of my own doing. I've definitely overcompensated over the last 20 years by all the shows and travel and things that I have done. And now there's nowhere left to go except down. Um, and you know what? I, I, I barely listen to Kiss these days. I put on Unholy the other day and I loved it. I will say that. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I don't listen to them as much as I did. I'm still interested in the audio side of things. That will never stop. Um, but you go on Facebook and you see the posturing and the pomposity and the arrogance and the... It's like, you fuckers aren't in the band. You're just fans. Get a grip. I'm so done with all the scene and all the people that I've had to ban multiple times on the board. I'm not going to say you've ruined it for me. I've just moved on from there because I had a great moment that will never be topped. <clears throat> and who knows? I it, think... could all, it, all, it could all change tomorrow. Yeah, but I, I think it's uh, true for a lot of fans or people in general. I mean, uh, Earth is at a low point at this particular time, you know, mm -hmm. with the pandemic. So it's hard to feel the enthusiasm that you felt a few years back. I mean, everything is uh, changed. And, of course, it doesn't feel good. So I think that's a natural feeling. But, but if you compare today with like let's say 2005 they don't have an opportunity to do a lot now while they had that back in 2005 but they didn't do a lot so i think that's a big difference of course uh, it's a low point for the band now and, and and for fans in general but it's unfortunate for unfortunate to hear that uh, uh, the board seems to be more of a uh, you know, a burden than something. It's a complete fun, burden. Actually. It's an yeah. absolute buzzkill. I mean, That's look no at good. the look at the deplorable shit people post there. You know, we take a lot of <laughs> criticism, and there's a lot of gold buried in there as well. There's a lot of great yeah. comments and yeah. stuff, but there are just some people who are just out to ruin it. I love doing this show. This is the high point of my week. You know, when we get together and we just celebrate the band that we love, yeah. because that essence is still there. That's not dead. That's, That's not gone. That's not going anywhere. I absolutely crave and savor these moments, you know, whether it's with you guys or any of the podcasts that yeah, we do together. Those are the moments. But that means more to me than a record or buying, you know, something from Kiss Online. That's that's not a tangible. That's all up here. That that that's in the heart, you know. Um, I agree. The board is what it is. It's never going to change because it's a reflection of society on a larger scale. And look yeah. how dysfunctional it is outdoors. Just turn yeah. on the news. You know, I think I wrote that. So you, you know, know, people people are people are depressed and angry. Of course, it will show up. On the board as well. Yeah, it does. But you know, it, it's also that it's it's been happening for so long. But you know, yeah. you know I, I don't want it to be about my buzzkill because I am still, you know, enjoying what we're doing. And you know, if yeah. I heard of a demo leaking today, yeah, I'd be off like a flash. You know, but for that final That's show, rather than being there, I would like it to be like our New Year's Eve from Dubai live stream yeah, to get cool. together with friends, for them to stream yeah. it, for the masses who couldn't do it, so I could we could do a live. Stream watching experience together like we did for new years and that was fun that was awesome yeah. even though none of us were there i enjoyed it and all the people who popped in as well to join us throughout yeah that that was cool that was fun that was cool that was yeah, a high it, point it was the, clo the closest thing you can get to a concert these these days i mean you you had almost the same feeling you know watching it with friends so i think hopefully they'll they'll do something similar again yeah, and Bruce is doing a new live stream as well from Vegas, I believe, with Todd. But uh, I haven't read all the details on that, so check his Facebook because he's great at uh, letting you know what he's doing. Let's move on into yep. one of the other uh, suggested topics. And I think we're going back to Ken for this. Yeah, here we go. Three wishes for when the end of the road tour returns. You get a genie in a lamp. And I'm not rubbing no genie in a lamp. Um, and <laughs> any more than anyone was going to mount that stallion a horse. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah, okay. So the genie's going to give you three wishes that uh, you'd like to see for the remainder of the end of the road shows. Pick wisely, young Padawan. Wishes can come true, but they not they might not be as great as you think they'll be in your head. All right, Ken, your topic, your idea, get us started with it, and then we'll go to Mark. Yeah, well, yeah that, that subject, yeah, that was on the board um, either yet today, it was a new or the last day or two, um, and I saw that, oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, 
Yeah, so when they pick up, um, a few things, I guess, three things. One would be, uh, you know, change the show up a bit, um, add a few new elements to it, uh, freshen it up. You know, still keep the basic, you know, core of it. You know, you still have the pods. I know Gene said he had, there was a they, they're adding more pods or something. I, whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, you know, it could be false, just talk. But uh, yeah, some change something up. Maybe the set list change up a little bit. Still keep you know the length of everything, um, but you know change the songs a little bit. Um, that'd be one. Another one would be um, to <laughs> I'd I'd like if they're gonna do that last show if that's that city field thing you know uh, get at least uh, you know original members back for an appearance if they can um, for that final <laughs> I know it's just a reach but uh, yeah it'd be nice but even during the middle of the tour. Uh, you know, if you can somehow squeeze in Bruce here and there, um, or, or something, um, I don't know how it would work, but if they could do it, that'd be cool. Otherwise, the other thing would be, yeah, a a, lo a, a local show, <laughs> um, which is one of the possibilities for San Francisco as a possibility as a show. So, uh, would they go? To, would I go to that? Yeah, I, I will definitely go <laughs> go to that. Um, it's not far away. It's really close to Julian. Um, so, and it's it's technically pretty mm -hmm. close to me too. So, uh, yeah, that would be the other thing. I hope that actually comes, you know, you know, happens. So nice. Okay, Mark, what about you? Ken said he set a pretty reasonable road there, hasn't he? Yeah, I'd say those are pretty, you know expected things to to think of when you have a genie mine is a little bit more uh, unexpected i think and probably less likely to happen than what ken's is my first one is i would like them to throughout the tour the remainder of the tour not every night but on ex on occasionally on some of the nights to throw in a medley from one album on their catalog like one night they're going to do a show let's say in, in philadelphia and they do a medley of just rock and roll over tunes somewhere in the somewhere in the set. Seven days later, they appear wherever in Phoenix, Arizona. They do a medley of songs from Dress to Kill. You know, this is not a new radical concept. I've heard of lots of bands who have done this before. You know, this is why I don't understand why band like a band like Kiss can't do this. I mean, come on, your stuff is not rocket science to learn here. These are easy songs to play. So it's easy to probably whip up a medley. I mean, I've seen bands like, or heard of bands like Pearl Jam that come up and change things every night sometimes on their sets. So come on, you know, why can't they go and do like a medley of songs? Like I said, I know this is probably the furthest thing that they'll ever do because it's, you know, probably difficult to them for some reason. Uh, but I still think it's a good idea. I mean, it would definitely change up the list. It would give it an element of surprise. That's the one thing that I'd rushed it that I loved. On their last tour, they had a rotation of set lists. So you were watching them when they were doing the, 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 the tour and this night they're doing set list too. Oh, great. So they're going to be playing this stuff from moving pictures and this from, you know, Farewell to Kings. The next show they do, they do set list eight, totally different songs again. Wow. What a radical concept, you know? And even when they played Toronto, they played one song, Losing It, which was not played on any other show except in Toronto. So come on, this is, these are not, you know, Einstein ideas, but I mean, why can't KISS implement some of these things? Now, the other thing that I thought of doing, and this is probably even more unlikely to happen, but I thought it would be, this would be a really cool idea. <coughs> of course it would come up. Um, but th this is another thing that I thought that would be very cool to do, but I can see Paul right away. No, wait, there's no way in hell we're doing that, is do a longer set a little bit, a little bit longer, and have an intermission. After the intermission, where you played the first set with your regular, you know, stage show, everything else, come back, no makeup, and just do a no makeup set of just non-makeup Kiss songs in the second set. I would love that. You know, the first set, you do your regular stuff and makeup and all that. You know, give the band 20 minutes, 
an intermission. They take off their stuff, just go into the regular kind of, you know, rock and roll clothing, take the makeup off. I'm sure they can take it off in 10, 15 minutes, give you a break, you know, and then get up there and play a set of stuff from the 80s, non-makeup stuff. I think that'd be great. They could play Carnival of Soul stuff then too. You know, they could do everything that they'd never really had a time to do before. And I think, sure, maybe the general public people wouldn't be so hip to it, but there's a lot of stuff from that era that general public people would know. Like Get Up, Heaven's on Fire, all that stuff that they could do that's non-makeup stuff. And and the other thing, the third one that I thought of was something similar to what Ken said is, you know, I'd like to see certain people come back with them on the tour. Like, and believable stuff. Like, you know, I'm not expecting a miracle of Vinnie Vincent, but, you know, maybe bring Bruce in for uh, one show for an encore or something. You know, something to give the KISS fans something unexpected. Like, don't do it every night, but do it here and there. Because then when you don't do it all the time, that's when people start going, oh, shit, are we going to be the show tonight when they're going to bring out, you know, whatever, let's say, Peter Chris comes out and sings Beth one night, you know, but we don't know what night it's going to be. You know, those kind of things I think people still find exciting on tours, you know, the, the, the sense of the unknown, you know, and, you know, I've seen other bands do it and it works really well. And I think that, you know, Kiss are a good enough band that they deserve to do that kind of stuff too, I think. You actually mentioned Rush twice, technically, with your intermission since they did that on uh, some of their <laughs> recent tours. Okay. <laughs> okay, no no washing machines. Uh, Daniel, <laughs> what three wishes? I mean, you're probably just wishing that they make it out to Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the first one. Bringing them across the pond. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff that, that you said, but I think a lot of those uh, wishes are more suitable on a cruise or a, in a smaller setting where you can bring up people because I, I just don't see them bringing up some old guy without makeup playing guitar next to them. I don't they see it happening. Joe Perry. Yeah, but Joe Perry's Joe Perry, you know, Bruce Kulick. And Phil. To, to the diehard. Yeah, but I don't know what I, if that's more like a fun thing. If, if you bring kiss members on stage you need to make it more spectacular I, I, at least i feel that you must do it the right way and i think a better setting for, for that is a certain concert at a certain time or uh, some sort of cr- cruise type of show but whatever the the most important thing i think is to to change up the set list of course and you guys mentioned it i need to hear more stuff from from the 80s and and uh, early 90s uh, i would like to hear a lot of that uh, or or change around the, the songs and we all know the problems with you know getting vocal tracks along some of uh, going that goes along with some of the songs but that's uh, one thing that would uh, be exciting another thing i think they didn't really do this time around that they did the first farewell tour is pay um homage to their past more like have uh, create videos uh, that shows there you could see bruce kulik and eric Carr on the on the big screen and uh, and maybe playing some licks from all has breaking loose and then you see eric Carr on the drums on the big screen i think that would be very suitable and not a hard thing to to do i think they can pull that off so and, and another thing is to bring elements from tours of the past uh, they had uh, Sam the Serpent for example that was pretty cool why not something like the tank somehow bring that along and uh, stuff like that just so the diehards can you know get excited and have it look make it look cool on stage so some more homage to the history of the band and a more, you know, at the end of the show, I, I want Paul to say farewell, uh, we love you, and all that kind of stuff. So it feels like it's the end. He did that on, on the tour back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Now it's just more like a regular show. Uh, but uh, but I think uh, there's not a whole lot you can do about the show. But of course you could add some effects and stuff. But those are two things you can actually do. Uh, pay homage to the history of the band and work the set list a bit. Some very, very good ideas there, and I hope they do get out to Europe and to Australia, you know, mm-hmm. for uh, I think fans. they will. 
Yeah, I, I hope it does happen soon for all of you that have been patiently waiting and have been teased and bought tickets and gotten refunds and been teased and then et cetera, rinse and repeat. Um, my three wishes, huh? Well, they've done this before, and I'd like them to do it again. Um, in 2007, they did the fan vote for a rare unplayed song previously to be performed in the set. I would like them to do that again, because there's still quite a few songs that have never been performed live, and they could select a you know five of those for fans to vote on, and for you know that to be added to the set for the leg of the tour. So yeah, nothing new, but it would be nice. I think number two, uh, get rid of End of the Road Tour as a brand and as a name. I think we start from scratch again, and the tour still just needs to be something very obvious, something very usable on an album, the Still Alive Tour, because it applies to what everyone has survived. If you're there, it's the Kiss Still Alive, and it plays nicely off that Alive um kind of uh series theme so no more end of the road completely rebranded as the still alive tour um still alive and in memory of something to that effect would be nice because a lot of fans have passed on during the past year so let's show them a, a little bit of respect um and then i'm really mixed about a third um you know I would love them to have a rotating song spot, you know, that there is a canon or a barrel of five songs and you just don't know which one they're going to do. And they rotate it every night or every couple of nights so that there is always that these are classics like the strutters, the some of the songs that they've rotated out of the set in the past two years. So the set's not changing a lot. We're not talking about wholesale honor the 80s more because I think they're actually doing a pretty decent job with tears and heavens on fire and lick it up in there you know those are the big hits from the era and asking for more than that i you know what is there forever well that's just a complete buzzkill in a show really um and i don't see paul doing that to be perfectly honest so um then you go to jeans does gene have anything that's hit worthy enough to be in the set from the 80s although i i I do like it because i'm biased biased to that era of (laughs) course um so go into that you know five songs and you've got strutter you've got uh what, what are some of the other ones got it now i can't even remember but firehouse yeah well that I would be know. yeah that would be a watching good one. you watching you let me know let yeah. me go rock and roll or was mm-hmm. it did that i can't even remember no, now what stayed in no. but you know there are songs that have been dropped off the set over the past year you know just put them in and have that randomized slot and be religious about randomizing it you know because the, the static sets yeah, they are yeah. what they are. But if you have one, it's gonna, you know, have it them all be roughly the same length. You don't have any massive issues with rejigging the set. It's all computerized anyway, so there's really no excuses for it anymore anyway. And they've got auto queue and all the other tricks going on. Just do something so that the set is never the same two shows in a row, unless someone's sick. You know, just just mm-hmm. anything. And you've always got that rare song. So that's what it's about for me. And Ken mentioned the show at the Chase Center, and all those dates are currently rumored. I don't know the source for that. You know, little birdies tweet here and there. It may or may not be be the case. uh, I'd totally go. No reason not to, uh, you know, even if I'm in a low still. Um, it's, It's walking distance. So... I think you touched on on something very important there, the the element of surprise. Just uh, think back to the uh, New uh, New Year's Eve concert. Uh, We all knew the set list, and suddenly they had some time left. Uh, They had to fill some time, and they threw Strutter in. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and watch that episode and and watch the reactions from all of us, (laughs) you see what the element of surprise can do. So I think that's an important thing that they could add. Uh, surprises a little bit anyway 
Yeah, I don't need them to change the costumes. I don't need oh. them to, to change the set. The set is impressive. The The staging is fantastic. The show yeah. is impeccable. I don't need them to do new and improved Kiss Tide Pods for millennials. You know, we don't need more pods. They have plenty. They have enough issues with them anyway. You know, the show really works nicely in a variety of sizes of venues as it is. It does not need to be invented, but I think rebranding, new tour books, new T-shirts would go a long way. Um, just to freshing it up at a time when I think that's that really for me is the most important thing and they've really blown the alive you know um, franchise with how it's been you know the the symphony alive uh, you know it should have been sequential there should have been a live IV you know a live V you know the, the numbering mm-hmm. you know should have been um, you, you know really kept up so that's why I'd like it to be the still alive so that's that's just me let's see what else we have mark did you have a topic that you wanted to talk about today uh honestly not really i mean i've been so logged up with stuff here that i'm doing i haven't really put much thought into it but uh sorry (laughs) that's fine daniel came with a whole ton of these which would be uh... i saw a topic i saw a topic just recently you mentioned eric Carr's drumming a while uh, a while back in the episode uh what's your favorite Let's not talk about Creatures of the Night, but other than that, what's your favorite album when it comes to Eric Carr's drumming? Mark? Um, for favorite drumming, obviously, I think Julian just took the words right out of my mouth because Sorry. my favorite Kiss album, non-makeup, and actually when I did a list of my favorite Kiss albums overall, Asylum was number two on my know. list of albums. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think... Eric Carr really, really shows some brilliant drumming on that. I mean, he starts off King of the Mountain. I mean, they he, they let him start the whole album off, you know? So I think there's a record to point to where he does some brilliant drumming. I think Asylum is definitely a very a very high spot to do it. I, I think a runner-up, if, if you don't mind me putting another example of a great showing, is I was always impressed with Eric Carr's drumming on that uh, Kiss live video from Detroit when they did the Asylum tour there, uh, and, and and when they were showing that live uh, video there that they did, I forget what it's called, but the Animalized tour there, right? I think that yeah, his drumming on that, um, yeah, I the Animalized tour live video, uncensored live, yeah. yeah, I think that his drumming on that is unbelievable on there. Mm. I mean, there's I've always loved how they had that one camera angle of him from the top of the drum set when they when you looked down on him when he drummed. Just unbelievable. The guy was uh, uh, just a great drummer. I mean, maybe he's not technically the best drummer, but he had such a good feel and he had such power to his playing for a guy who Mm. was like a little five foot five guy. I mean, it was unbelievable what came out of his hands and feet. Nice. Good good topic suggestion, Daniel. What about Ken? Is it lick it up for you or? Yeah, for Eric Carr. Um, yeah, and, and not counting creatures, of course. Um, no. Yeah, I think. <clears throat> I think I think I'm gonna. I will say, lick it up for me, because um, I think it's pretty much on fire on on that album, you know, with all the songs, uh, and they all sound great. Of course, this you know, the drums didn't sound as powerful as it did on there, but that's production. Um, but he was he was really on fire, and you know, I saw them during. You know that tour. <clears throat> excuse me, that tour, and it was great. I mean, he he's been solid though. I mean, he was solid through the most of his most of the albums anyway. Um, yeah, I, I would say uh, lick it up, even Animalize, yeah. great, uh, and yeah, Asylum. Um, I don't know about I like Crazy Nights. I mean, that was just different. Um, yeah. uh, and then obviously Hot in the Shade is a it's not all him uh, either. Um, so uh, yeah, I have to I have to go with look it up for for me. I, I go with look it up. I, I I always thought he, he had better drumming on the Paul songs than the Gene Simmons songs. So I'd say actually I think it's great on lick it well, up, then, uh, animalize. Like yeah, of course, fits like a glove. It's a good one. <laughs> Got me there. <laughs> but but at least for Animalize and Asylum, there's a big difference, but we've talked about that earlier. We, I think we came to the conclusion that Gene was just happy with whatever 
just play something, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> While just Paul Stanley probably w- was coaching him a whole lot more. So, uh, but uh, yeah. And hiring Alan Schwartzberg when Eric wasn't available to add a <laughs> fill here. <laughs> but I think the, the lick it up stuff. I I found some pristine drum tracks from that. And listening oh, really? to something like Gimme More, you know, or even yeah. Sexy Feel. I mean, just listening to the raw drum tracks off Lick It Up, that is buried. Because you don't mm. get it as much in the forefront as you do the drums on Creatures, which, yeah, you know, know, Daniel said we're not allowed to talk, you know, about that because it is next level. It, I mean, it's, it's a cop-out. You know, while I chimed in immediately with Asylum, you know, listening back to those raw ones, and they were, I did share them on the FAQ, and but they're behind the paywall now in the secret part for special people. Um, it really was impressive dynamic drumming and just his you hear the metronome you know he's playing to a click because he, he's going full throttle but just his consistency him shouting when he screws up as well because he misses a, a fill or a transition you know I, I think I'm taking back Asylum because as much as I love it I think the power and the energy hidden in Lick It Up really is superlative and I, I hope one day we get the creatures ones in as clear as those ones which I did find for Lick It Up because they really are spectacular. And, you know, I've actually used them to play along to my guitar as drum tracks, um, you know, even chopped one up. And just like Gene Simmons, if it's okay for Gene to chop up Eric's drums for his demos, uh, it's certainly okay for me to do because no one will ever get to hear them, that's for sure. Daniel, but what about you? On, on which answer your own question? Which one well, do you well, think? I think it's tough, but I, th- I think I have to say uh, the Paul Stanley songs on "Lick It Up," "Animalize," and "Asylum." Yeah. That's my favorite. Uh, I think he plays great on all three albums, and I think uh, on "Lick It Up" he did more on the Gene songs than he did on "Animalize" and "Asylum." I think it's clear that. Uh, Gene, you know, we, we all know what happened to Gene in the mid-80s. So so uh, he didn't pay enough attention to the drums. And I think it shows. I think, for example, you know, Burn, Bitch, Burn could be such a awesome song with drums similar to, let's say, uh, I've Had Enough Into the Fire. Uh, but it just didn't happen, unfortunately. But 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 I don't really care for maybe not a hundred shade of course and crazy nights I don't have any recollection of anything that stands out from that album well the the double uh, live it does yeah the double kick drum in no 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 is of course was of course cool when you heard it the first time Mm. yeah. Yeah, Crazy Nights, give me that Tokyo show. I love watching that Tokyo show. Then you actually get... That's uh, a good show, yeah. No, I think... I, think, uh, I never cared for that one. I, t- I will Nights take that over Animalize, Live Uncensored, any day of the you're week. You're crazy. You're, they are you're not playing insane. like the damn chipmunks. Those tempos <laughs> in 84, <laughs> I can't stand. I, yeah. The show's great, but Paul Stanley doing his Richard Simmons, you know, jazzercise... Uh, no, the, t- the tempos are horrendous. And at least yes. it was coming back to traditional um, for Crazy Nights. And Bruce and him were just locked in. Um, you know, yeah, sorry. I, 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 that's, that's my taste. If you love Animalized Live Uncensored, fine. I listened to that a lot back in the day. Uh, but these days, I cannot stomach it. So. Oh. <laughs> just that, that little oh. moan of pain oh i stayed up late and he's uh, insulting me all right there we go that's a whole bunch of topics on the board for yeah. today uh, you know thank you everyone for participating on the board i ranted about you uh some of you um you know for well for being down let's get back to celebrating let's get back to enjoying stuff because you know what we still have fun talking about the stuff that we do love and you know maybe we can do that on the board as a broader community as we do on these podcast episodes and the other shows that you listen to because it's all coming from the same place that we're fans still of a band and thank goodness they're still around to entertain us because it's not the same for people like who love rush they're never getting another album no matter what that's right 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So enjoy it while you can, because it's over too quickly. Oh, God. Yes, Daniel, I will do so. You got it. All right, there we go. So from Daniel, from Mark, Ken and myself, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. It's been a long time since we've rock and rolled, but that all changes this August as Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville. This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience. Special guests this year include Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, and current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Accept, and more. Stage panels, signing sessions, and photo ops will be available, plus lots of vinyl and memorabilia vendors. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on site for live interviews, speaking sessions, networking, and more. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skeo and his new band Resist and Bite making their debut performance, as well as a rare hair set featuring surprise guests performing all-time classics. Rockin' Pod Weekend takes place August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP passes, podcast registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. Rockin' Pod is brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Inceptia. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.